We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. Amen. We began a new study today in our reversed texts. We are in Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, and we're going to read that aloud together. You can follow along. It's in your bulletin there. This then is the text for today. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea was going out to him and all the people of Jerusalem And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist, and his diet was locusts and wild honey. And he was preaching and saying, After me one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. May God bless the reading of his word. So if you go online and you search basic human needs, you'll get a very common result. In fact, the common result that you'll see if you Google that is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And it's, it's like this pyramid. And the most necessary of needs, if we can say that, the most necessary of needs are at the bottom of that pyramid and it goes up. And so on the bottom, you'll find on Maslow's hierarchy that you'll find food and water and then you'll find shelter, warmth, or some kind of protection from the elements. So you got food, water, and then protection from the elements and then sleep. Is, is also on this. It's kind of the bottom four that those are kind of the, the, the foundation of the hierarchy of needs. And then you see it kind of goes up and you see things like safety and friends and you need those kinds of things and you need to have accomplishments in your life. So those are kind of up towards the top. But as you work down, what we're talking about today are these, these things on the bottom, basic human needs. Now let's talk about the math there and the math on these four things that Maslow has at the bottom of his needs, food, water, the protection from the elements, and sleep. So with food, you can generally go three to four weeks without food. We, we, can, we can make it, we can survive almost a month without having something to eat. Water is different, we know, right? Water, you can probably only go three or four days without water, and then you will pass away. And that's what we're talking about here, right? When we're talking about these kinds of needs, it's the kinds of things that if you don't have, you will die. So food, die three or four weeks. Water, you'll die three or four days. Now, it's harder, though, with the protection from the elements, like the clothes or the shelter, and it matters if it's really hot or truly cold or how long you've been exposed and what you've got going on around you. But if you're just thinking in the most extreme terms and extreme hypothermia, 
you, you, could, you could die in an hour or so left in, in extreme cold. And I think it's a little bit different too when you're talking about sleep. That's kind of on the, the last one on the list there. And, and sleep, if you go two or three days without sleep, your, your body starts to fight back. And in the end, the way they describe it, you'll, you'll do something that might eventually lead to your death after a couple of days of not sleeping. And so without these kinds of things, we see that you'll die quickly. Now, there's a problem here. And the first problem is very few searches on human needs, including Maslow's, there's very few, if any, include oxygen. And without oxygen, you'll die with 15, 20 minutes, depending on your lung, lung capacity. Now, I did find one list that included oxygen as the number one need of humanity. And then there were a couple others when you're looking at sites that talk about human survival and human needs. They say, well, yeah, you need oxygen. I mean, that, that's a given, but there's so little that you can do about oxygen, we don't even include it in our needs list. And in fact, if, if you don't have oxygen, you're just out of luck anyway. And so you might as well just kind of give up if you don't have oxygen. And see, much, much of the basic needs lists, and even Maslow's, just left oxygen off. And so it's only fitting then that not a single one of them listed the number one need of humanity for survival that Scripture does. In fact, Scripture said there's, there's, a, there's one primary need that you have for survival. And not a single one of them mentioned it. In fact, if you want to think of it, think of it this way, maybe we've got the, kind of the pyramid, like Maslow's pyramid of those needs up there, and then maybe put a little pedestal on the bottom, make it look like a Christmas tree. Because there's one little thing on the bottom that Scripture talks about that's more important than all those other things. And if you don't have that little Christmas tree trunk on the bottom of that hierarchy of needs, you're already a goner. See, as Scripture goes, you see, we have this one necessity for human survival. And I'm worried that, that many in the church don't, don't even know what this one necessity for human survival is. Now, I'm sure that all of us here in the room or all of us listening on TV, we could come up with a Sunday school answer. We could say the number one need for human survival is Jesus, right? And so we'd throw that out there. And, and if we did, you'd be correct on some level, but we'd have no idea why we were only generally in the right direction. You see, think of it like this. If we said Jesus Christ, we would be vaguely, technically correct. But if you're being graded by a math teacher, the math teacher wouldn't count it right because you didn't show your work. And so let's do that this morning. Let's start at the beginning and let's show our work on why the answer is Jesus Christ and what that means. Because when we're considering the, the necessity of humanity, remember, we're talking about death. And the, the things that, that bring death or the things that prevent death. And so we're, we're talking about these kind of common causes of human death that come most immediately. And then we kind of rank them in order of importance. And so a necessity is that which gives life. And so in the same way, that which gives life separates death and actually pushes death away from you. And so our necessity and the necessity that we're talking about is the one that promotes life. And when people talk about food and water being necessities, this is what they mean. And th what they mean is 
If those kinds of things aren't taken care of, if food and water aren't taken care of, you need to stop everything that you're doing and your sole pursuit should be food and water. If you've gone two days without water, your sole pursuit this morning should be water is what they would say. That you need to pursue those kinds of things first. But scripture has a different ranking. Scripture has a different order. In fact, scripture says there's something far more important than water or food or shelter or sleep. And as scripture lays out anyway, if, if you believe in who God is, if you believe the word of God, if you believe God as our creator, if he's the one that created all of this and brought it into being, if he, he's the loving God that came down to this earth incarnate, if, if that is true, and if we believe that and we live that, food and water are not your primary pursuit. Because if you believe in a God who created all of these things, and you believe in a God who's a heavenly father who knows you need all these things, he will provide them in the moment that you need them. And all you have to do is go to him first, and he will provide those things. Just like he did for Abraham, journeying to a new land. Or just like God provided for baby Moses, floating in a river. Or or just like God provided for the 5,000 faithful ones listening to Jesus preach in the wilderness on the Galilean seashore. You see, though Jesus ate many meals with people, and though Jesus fed thousands upon thousands, and though Jesus even punctuated the passion with a final supper, it was never about the food. Food wasn't the necessity, and neither were the healings for that matter. There was always something deeper for survival. There was always a holy necessity that could only come from God, like fresh, clean air rushing down out of heaven. Jesus talks about this in John chapter six. We'll turn there with me. This is after feeding of the 5,000. Jesus sort of reflecting back on what's happening. So this is John chapter six, verse 26 and 27. Truly I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Here Jesus' moment of, of judgment here over that group saying, you've only come to me because you want another bite of bread. And that's not what I'm about. I'm not here to give you another loaf of bread. I'm here to bring you something much deeper. So he says, uh, but because you ate of the loaves and you were filled, your bellies were filled up, so you came back. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him the Father, have, uh, Father God, has set his seal. Now skip over to verse 48. So same chapter, John 6, verse 48. Jesus continuing here. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. So here's it. doesn't matter how much food you eat. You can eat all the bread in the world. You're, you're still going to die in this world. They ate in the wilderness. They died. This, though, is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I'm the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever, and the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Bread is not the necessity that we make it out to be. Food is not as important as our stomachs tells us it is. There's something more akin to oxygen in the spiritual world. There's little we can do about it, but it makes all of the difference in the world. See, all all of the physical things that we need are provided by God. 
But, but there's something that gets in the way. It's that three-letter word, sin, gets in the way and sin blocks our relationship with God. Sin blocks our prayers from reaching into the heaven. Sin separates us from God. When we sin, we are torn apart from our God forever. And not only that, in our sin and what we see then and what you see unfolding in the pages of Scripture is that sin is the root cause of decay and death. Death happens in all kinds of forms these days, but the root of it all goes back to the sin of humanity that brings death upon all of us. And so with both of those things being true, with sin getting in the way of our relationship with God and separating us from him, and sin being that which brings death and decay into the world, the single necessity of life is to solve the problem of sin. If you solve the problem of sin, you will live and live forever. It is sin alone that is separating you and walking you towards death. What you need most is the forgiveness of your sins. We were talking about that that little bottom piece on the Christmas tree. The one necessity that you need for life eternal. There's no fountain of youth out there. What you need is the forgiveness of your sins. And as scripture teaches, if you're you're forgiven of your sins, you're, you're set free. And you're brought back into a relationship with God that, that allows you to live life unhindered. You see, we, we forget and, and we neglect and we, we don't always realize that, that what sin does is sin takes our life and it turns it into a series of tightening knots that chokes the life right out of us. We, we don't understand that it's sin that's holding us back in life. It's sin that's ruining us. It's, it's sin that's causing every bit of rot that we see. For every sleepless night that we have, we can blame the twisted grip of sin on this world. What Jesus came to tell us and what God has been teaching since time began is that when sin is untangled from your life, you're free. And you're free to live life as it was intended to be lived. See, the word of God says it perfectly in Romans. Look look with me back over at Romans chapter five. So Romans 5, first Romans 5, 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin. So it's taking that note. So death and all death is, is rooted back to sin itself. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. Now skip over with me to chapter six. So Romans chapter six, go to the next chapter in the last couple of verses of Romans 6, 22 and 23. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, in in our current condition, the necessity for life is the forgiveness of sin. Because scripture is reminding us over and over again, it is sin that is producing death. And, and what you see is death all around us. And in fact, the, the, more of us are more like bones wasting away in a desert rather than living in some fruitful life. 
And God is saying there is a way out where you're no longer wasting away as skin and bone in a desert, but you can have life and have it abundantly. And that in the person of Jesus Christ, he came and we celebrate Christmas because he came to walk to the cross. And when he walked to the cross and he was crucified and he went to the tomb and then he came up out of that tomb and he was raised to new life and death died at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you no longer have to submit to sin. You no longer have to submit to death. We have life in the Lord. See, to say it another way, the biggest dilemma that you face today is your own sin. A single sin, a no to God, and you are dead faster than you would be from oxygen deprivation. Now, with that truth set in front of us, and so many at death's door, God came in all of his compassion, and God knew that you would need a savior And so God sent Jesus Christ to be born at the right time so that you might die at the right time so that you might have your sins forgiven. It is necessary, absolutely necessary for your sins to be forgiven, for you to live. And it's important for us this morning to think about it this way because anytime we think about forgiveness of sins, our mind begins to play tricks on us. And when we talk about forgiveness, it's real easy. And what our flesh likes to do is to start to think about all those other people who need forgiveness. We, we imagine to ourselves, who needs forgiveness the most? Who have I seen do the worst? Or we start to think, who has wronged me the most? Deeply needing forgiveness. But don't be distracted. Don't be distracted by them and what they need. That's not the message this morning. Let's set their survival aside for a moment. And and in fact, let's focus in on your survival and what you need to survive this morning. And, And what you need is the forgiveness of God in your life. And you need it just as much as they do, if not more so. And so for survival, and for revival, and for life again, we need to be on our knees saying, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I I confess that I am broken. I confess that I am weak that I've made terrible decisions and said no more often than I've wanted to. Lord, forgive me. And the truth and hope of Scripture is that in that way, you are forgiven. And so this morning, this is is between you and God. This This is your sin and his forgiveness. This is his death for your life. This is the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ so that your sins might be forgiven, so that you might finally live. There are too many of us still tormented by death. You no longer have to be tormented by death. Come to the Lord and find life. 
find his forgiveness and be set free from the conflict of your flesh and the conflict of your sin. God is offering you new life this morning. Let's not waste another day. Let's pray together. Lord, we know. We know we're broken. We know that we have fallen short. We know, we know, we know. Sometimes we've tried to pick ourselves up again and we've just fallen flat back on our faces. We know, Father. Lord, we know what death feels like. Lord, we have seen decay and we have seen this world rot from the inside out. And Lord, we need your grace. Lord, would you forgive our sins? And Lord, we we beg you this morning to send your spirit upon this church and to send your spirit upon this city, Lord, to send your spirit upon your people that we might open our hearts up to you and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, let not a single one of us be distracted. Let our sole pursuit be your son so that we might be forgiven of our sins. Lord, we need you. We pray that you would come, and we pray that you would come quickly. It's in the name of our Lord and risen Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.